The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine G. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 6, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. 537th Night to 539th Night Simbad the Seaman and Simbad the Landsman There lived in the city of Baghdad, during the reign of the commander of the faithful, Harun al-Rashid, a man named Simbad the Hamal, one in poor case who bore burdens on his head for hire. It happened to him one day of a great heat that whilst he was carrying a heavy load, he became exceeding weary and sweated profusely, the heat and the weight alike oppressing him. Presently, as he was passing the gate of a merchant's house, before which the ground was swept and watered, and there the air was temperate, he sighted a broad bench beside the door, so he set his load thereon, to take rest and smell the air. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and thirty-seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the Hamal set his load upon the bench to take rest and smell the air, there came out upon him from the court door a pleasant breeze and a delicious fragrance. He sat down on the edge of the bench, and at once heard from within the melodious sound of lutes and other stringed instruments, and mirth-exciting voices singing and reciting, together with the song of birds warbling and glorifying Almighty Allah, in various tombs and tongues, turtles, mocking-birds, merles, nightingales, cushats, and stone-curlews, whereat he marvelled in himself, and was moved to mighty joy and solace. Then he went up to the gate, and saw within a great flower-garden, wherein were pages, and black slaves, and such a train of servants and attendants, and so forth, as is found only with kings and sultans, and his nostrils were greeted with the savoury odours of all manner meats, rich and delicate, and delicious and generous wines. So he raised his eyes heavenwards, and said, Glory to thee, O Lord, O Creator and Provider! who providest whomso thou wilt without count or stint. O mine holy one, I cry thee pardon for all sins, and turn to thee repenting of all offences. O Lord, there is no gainsaying thee in thine ordinance and thy dominion, neither wilt thou be questioned of that thou dost, for thou indeed over all things art almighty. Extolled be thy perfection, whom thou wilt thou makest poor, and whom thou wilt thou makest rich, whom thou wilt thou exaltest, and whom thou wilt thou abasest, and there is no God but thou. How mighty is thy majesty, and how enduring thy dominion, and how excellent thy government! Verily thy favourest whom thou wilt of thy servants, whereby the owner of this place abideth in all joyance of life, and delighteth, himself with the pleasant scents and delicious meats and exquisite wines of all kind for indeed thou appointest unto thy creatures that which thou wilt and that which hast foreordained unto them wherefore are some weary and others are at rest 
and some enjoy fair fortune and affluence, whilst others suffer the extreme of travail and misery, even as I do. And he fell to reciting. How many by my labours that evermore endure all goods of life enjoy, and in coolish shade recline. Each morn that dawns I wake in travail and in bow, and strange is my condition, and my burden gars me pine. Many others are in luck, and from misery are free, and fortune never loads them with loads the like of mine. They live their happy days in all solace and delight, each drink and dwell in honour with the noble and the dine. All living things are made of little drop of sperm, thine origin is mine, and my providence is thine. Yet the difference and distance twixt the twain of us afar, as the difference of saviour twixt vinegar and wine. But at thee, O God all-wise, I venture not to rail, whose ordinance is just, and whose justice cannot fail. When Simba the porter had made an end to reciting his verses, he bore up his burden, and was about to fare on, when there came forth to him from the gate a little footpage, fair of face, and shapely of shape, and dainty of dress, who caught him by the hand, saying, Come in, and speak with my lord, for he calleth for thee. The porter would have excused himself to the page, but the lad would take no refusal, so he left his load with the doorkeeper in the vestibule, and followed the boy into the house, which he found to be a goodly mansion, radiant and full of majesty, till he brought him to a grand sitting-room, wherein he saw a company of nobles and great lords, seated at tables garnished with all manner of flowers, and sweet-scented herbs, besides great plenty of dainty viands and fruits dried, and fresh and confections and wines of the choicest vintages. There also were instruments of music and mirth, and lovely slave-girls playing and singing. All the company was ranked according to rank, and in the highest place sat a man of a worshipful and noble aspect, whose bedside's horrorness had stricken and he was stately of stature, and fair of favour, agreeable of aspect, and full of gravity, and dignity, and majesty. So Simbad the porter was confounded at that which he beheld, and said in himself, By Allah, this must be either a piece of paradise, or some king's palace. Then he saluted the company with much respect, praying for their prosperity, and kissing the ground before them, stood with his head bowed down in humble attitude and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and thirty-eighth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Simbad the porter, after kissing ground between their hands, stood with his head bowed down in humble attitude. The master of the house bade him draw near, and be seated, and bespoke him kindly, bidding him welcome. Then he set before him various kinds of vines, rich and delicate and delicious, and the porter, after saying his bishmillah, fell to and ate his fill, after which he exclaimed, Praise be Allah, what so be our case! And, washing his hands, returned thanks to the company for his entertainment. Quoth the host, Thou art welcome, and thy day is a blessed. But what is thy name and calling? Quoth the other, O oh, my lord, my name is Simbad the Hamel, and I carry folk's goods on my head for hire. The housemaster smiled and rejoined, 
Know, O porter, that thy name is even as mine, for I am Simba the seaman. And now, O porter, I would have thee let me hear the couplets thou recitedst at the gate anoon. The porter was abashed and replied, Allah upon thee, excuse me for toil and travail and lack of luck when the hand is empty. Teach a man ill manners and boorish ways, said the host. Be not ashamed, thou art become my brother, but repeat to me the verses, for they pleased me when as I heard thee recite them at the gate. Hereupon the porter repeated the couplets, and they delighted the merchant, who said to him, Know, O Hamal, that my story is a wonderful one, and thou shalt hear all that befell me, and all I underwent, ere I rose to this state of prosperity, and became the lord of this place, wherein thou seest me. For I came not to this high estate, save after travail sore, and perils galore, and how much toil and trouble have I not suffered in days of yore. I have made seven voyages, by each of which hangeth a marvellous tale, such as confoundeth the reason, and all this came to pass, by doom of fortune and fate. For from what destiny doth write, there is neither refuge nor flight. Know then, good my lords, continued he, that I am about to relate the first voyage of Simbad the seaman. My father was a merchant, one of the notables of my native place, a moneyed man, and ample of means, who died whilst I was yet a child, leaving me much wealth in money and lands and farmhouses. When I grew up, I laid hands on the whole, and ate of the best, and drank freely, and wore rich clothes, and lived lavishly, companioning and consorting with youths of my own age, and considering that this course of life would continue for ever, and cannot change. Thus did I for a long time, but at last I awoke from my heedlessness, and, returning to my senses, I found my wealth had become unwealth, and my condition ill-conditioned, and all I once had had left my hand. And recovering my reason, I was stricken with dismay and confusion, and bethought me of a saying of our Lord Solomon, son of David, on who be peace, which I had heard aforetime from my father. Three things are better than other three. The day of death is better than the day of birth. A live dog is better than a dead lion, and the grave is better than want. Then I got together my remains of estates and property, and sold all, even my clothes, for three thousand dirhams, with which I resolved to travel to foreign parts, remembering the saying of the poet, By means of toil man shall skate to height, who to fame aspire mustn't sleep a night, who seeketh pearl in the deep must dive, winning weal and wealth by his mane and might, and who seeketh fame without toil and strife, the impossible seeketh and wasted life. So taking heart, I bought me goods, merchandise, and all needed for a voyage, and, impatient to be at sea, I embarked, with a company of merchants, on board a ship bound for Basura. There we again embarked, and sailed many days and nights, and we passed from isle to isle, and sea to sea, and shore to shore, buying and selling and bartering everywhere the ship touched, and continued our course till we came to an island, as it were garth of the gardens of paradise. Here the captain cast anchor, and making fast to the shore, put out the landing planks. So all on board landed and made furnaces, and lighting fires therein, busied themselves in various ways, 
some cooking and some washing, whilst others some walked about the island for solace, and the crew fell to eating and drinking and playing and sporting. I was one of the walkers, but, as we were thus engaged, behold the master, who was standing on the gunwale, cried out to us at the top of his voice, saying, Ho there, passengers, run for your lives and hasten back to the ship and leave your gear and save yourselves from destruction. Allah preserve you, for this island whereon ye stand is no true island but a great fish, stationary amiddlemost of the sea, whereon the sand has settled, and trees have sprung up of all time, so that it is become like unto an island. But when ye lighted fires on it, it felt the heat and moved, and in a moment it will sink with you into the sea, and you will all be drowned. So leave your gear and seek your safety ere you die. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and thirty-ninth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the shipmaster cried to the passengers, Leave your gear and seek safety ere ye die. All who heard him left gear and goods, clothes washed and unwashed, fire-pots and brass cooking-pots, and fled back to the ship for their lives, and some reached it, while others, among whom was I, did not, for suddenly the island shook, and sank into the abysses of the deep, with all that were thereon, and the dashing sea surged over it with clashing waves. I sank with the others down, down into the deep, but Almighty Allah preserved me from drowning, and threw in my way a great wooden tub of those that had served the ship's company for tubbing. I gripped it for the sweetness of life, and, bestriding it like one riding, paddled with my feet like oars, whilst the waves tossed me as in sport right and left. Meanwhile the captain made sail and departed with those who had reached the ship, regardless of the drowning and the drowned and I ceased not following the vessel with my eyes, till she was hid from sight, and I made sure of death. Darkness closed in upon me while in this plight, and the winds and waves bore me on all that night and the next day, till the tub brought to with me under the lee of a lofty island, with trees overhanging the tide. I caught hold of a branch, and by its aid clambered up onto the land, after coming nigh upon death. But when I reached the shore, I found my legs cramped and numbed, and my feet brought traces of the nibbling of fish upon their soles. Withal I had felt nothing for excess of anguish and fatigue. I threw myself down on the island ground, like a dead man, and drowned in desolation swooned away. Nor did I return to my senses till next morning, when the sun rose and revived me, but I found my feet swollen so made shift to move by shuffling on my breech, and crawling on my knees, for in that island were found store of fruits and springs of sweet water. I ate of the fruits which strengthened me, and thus I abode days and nights, till my life seemed to return, and my spirits began to revive, and I was better able to move about. So, after due consideration, I fell to exploring the island, and diverting myself with gazing upon all things that Allah Almighty had created there, and rested under the trees from one of which I cut me a staff to lean upon. One day, as I walked along the marge, I caught sight of some object in the distance, and thought it a wild beast, or one of the monster creatures of the sea. But, as I drew near it, looking hard the while, I saw that it was a noble mare, 
teethed on the beach. Presently I went up to her, but she cried out against me with a great cry, so that I trembled for fear and turned to go away. When there came forth a man from under the earth and followed me, crying out and saying, Who and whence art thou, and what caused thee to come hither? O oh, my lord, answered I, I am in very sooth a waif, a stranger, and was left to drown with sundry others by the ship we voyaged in. But Allah graciously sent me a wooden tub, so I saved myself thereon, and it floated with me, till the waves cast me up on this island. When he heard this, he took my hand and saying, Come with me, carried me into a great sargab, or underground chamber, which was spacious as a saloon. He made me sit down at its upper end, then he brought me somewhat of food, and being unhungered, I ate till I was satisfied and refreshed. And when he had put me at mine ease, he questioned me of myself, and I told him all that had befallen me from first to last. And as he wondered at my adventure, I said, By Allah, O my Lord, excuse me. I have told thee the truth of my case and accident which betided me, and now I desire that thou tell me who thou art, and why thou abidest here under the earth, and why thou hast teated yonder mare on the brink of the sea. Answered he, Know that I am one of the several who are stationed in different parts of this island, and we are the grooms of King Mirjan, and under our hand are all his horses. Every month, about new moon tide, we bring hither our best mares, which have never been covered, and picket them on the seashore and hide ourselves in this place under the ground, so that none may espy us. Presently the stallions of the sea scent the mares and come up out of the water, and seeing no one, leap the mares and do their will of them. When they have covered them, they try to drag them away with them, but cannot, by reason of the leg ropes. So they cry out at them, and butt at them, and kick them, which we hearing, know that the stallions have dismounted, so we run out and shout at them, whereupon they are startled, and return in fear to the sea. Then the mares conceive by them, and bear colts and fillies, worth a mint of money, nor is their like to be found on earth's face. This is the time of the coming forth of the sea stallions, and, inshallah, I will bear thee to King Mirjan. And Shaharasad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and fortieth night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the psyche said to Simba the seaman, I will bear thee to King Mirjan, and show thee our country, and know that hadst thou not happened on us, thou hadst perished miserably, and none had known of thee. But I will be the means of the saving of thy life, and of thy return to thine own land. I called down blessings on him, and thanked him for his kindness and courtesy. And, while we were yet talking, behold, the stallion came up out of the sea, and, giving a great cry, sprang upon the mare and covered her. When he had done his will of her, he dismounted, and would have carried her away with him, but could not by reason of the teether. She kicked and cried out at him. Whereupon the groom took a sword and target, and ran out of the underground saloon, smiting the buckler with a blade, and calling to his company, who came up shouting and brandishing spears, 
and the stallion took fright at them, and plunging into the sea, like a buffalo, disappeared under the waves. After this we sat a while, till the rest of the grooms came up, each leading a mare, and seeing me with their fellow psyche, questioned me of my case, and I repeated my story to them. Thereupon they drew near me, and spreading the table, ate and invited me to eat. So I ate with them, after which they took horse, and mounting me on one of the mares, set out with me, and fared on without ceasing, till we came to the capital city of King Mirjan, and going into him acquainted him with my story. Then he sent for me, and when they sent me before him, and salams had been exchanged, he gave me a cordial welcome, and wished me long life, and bade me tell him my tale. So I related to him all that I had seen, and all that had befallen me from first to last, whereat he marvelled, and said to me, By Allah, O my son, thou hast indeed been miraculously preserved. Were not the term of thy life a long one, thou hadst not escaped from these straits, but praised by Allah for safety. Then he spoke cheerily to me, and entreated me with kindness and consideration. Moreover, he made me his agent for the port and register for all ships that entered the harbour. I attended him regularly, to receive his commandments, and he favoured me, and did me all manner of kindness, and invested me with costly and splendid robes. Indeed, I was high in credit with him, as an intercessor for the folk, and an intermediary between them and him, when they wanted aught of him. I abode thus a great while, and, as often as I passed through the city to the port, I questioned the merchants and travellers and sailors of the city of Baghdad, so happily I might hear of an occasion to return to my native land, but could find none who knew it or knew any who resorted thither. At this I was chagrined, for I was weary of long strangerhood, and my disappointment endured for a time till one day, going in to King Mirjan, I found him with a company of Indians. I saluted them, and they returned my salam, and politely welcomed me and asked me of my country. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and forty-fourth night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Simba the seaman said, When they asked me of my country, I questioned them of theirs, and they told me that they were of various castes, some being called Shakiria, who are the noblest of their castes, and neither oppress nor offer violence to any, and others Brahmans, a folk who abstain from wine, but live in delight and solace and merriment, and own camels and horses and cattle. Moreover, they told me that the people of India are divided in two and seventy castes, and I marvelled at this with exceeding marvel. Amongst other things that I saw in King Mirjan's dominions was an island called Kassil, wherein all night is heard the beating of drums and tabrets. But we were told by the neighbouring islanders, and by travellers, that the inhabitants are people of diligence and judgment. In this sea I also saw a fish two hundred cubits long, and the fishermen fare it, so they strike together pieces of wood and put it to flight. I also saw another fish, with a head like that of an owl, besides many other wonders and rarities, which it would be tedious to recount. 
I occupied myself thus in visiting the islands till, one day, as I stood in the port, with a staff in my hand according to my custom, behold, a great ship wherein were many merchants came sailing for the harbour. When it reached the small inner port with a ship's anchor under the city, the master furled his sails and, making fast to the shore, put out the landing-planks, whereupon the crew fell to breaking bulk and landing cargo, whilst I stood by, taking written note of them. They were long in bringing the goods ashore, so I asked the master, "'Is there aught left in thy ship?' And he answered, "'Oh, my lord, there are divers bales of merchandise in the hall, whose owner was drowned from amongst us at one of the islands on our course, so his goods remain in our charge by way of trust.' and we propose to sell them, and note their price, that we may convey it to his people in the city of Baghdad, the home of peace. What was the merchant's name? Quoth I, and quoth he, Simba the seaman, whereupon I straightly considered him, and knowing him, cried out to him with a great cry, saying, O captain, I am that Simba the seaman who travelled with other merchants, and when the fish heaved, and thou colledst to us, some saved themselves, and others sank, I being one of them. But Allah Almighty threw in my way a great tub of wood, of those the crew had used to wash withal, and the winds and waves carried me to this island, where by Allah's grace I fell in with King Mirjan's grooms, and they brought me hither to the king their master. When I told him my story, he entreated me with favour, and made me his harbour-master, and I have prospered in his service, and found acceptance with him. These bales, therefore, are mine, the goods which God hath given me. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and forty-second night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Simba the seaman said to the captain, These bales are mine, the goods which Allah had given me. The other exclaimed, There is no majesty and there is no might save in Allah, the glorious, the great. Verily, there is neither conscience nor good faith left along men. Said I, O race, what means these words, seeing that I have told thee my case? And he answered, Because thou hearest me say that I had with me goods whose owner was drowned, thou thinkest to take them without right. But this is forbidden by law to thee, for we saw him drown before our eyes, together with many other passengers, nor was one of them saved. So how canst thou pretend that thou art the owner of the goods? O captain, said I, listen to my story, and give heed to my words, and my truth will be manifest to thee, for lying and leasing are the lesser marks of hypocrites. Then I recounted to him, all that had befallen me since I sailed from Baghdad with him, to the time when we came to the fish island, where we nearly drowned, and I reminded him of certain matters which had passed between us, whereupon both he and the merchants were certified at the truth of my story, and recognized me, and gave me joy of my deliverance, saying, By Allah, we thought not that thou hadst escaped drowning, but the Lord hath granted thee new life. Then they delivered my bales to me, and I found my name written thereon, nor was aught thereof lacking. So I opened them, and making up a present for King Mirjan of the finest and costliest of the contents, 
caused the sailors carry it up to the palace, where I went in to the king and laid my present at his feet, acquainting him with what had happened, especially concerning the ship and my goods, whereat he wondered with exceeding wonder, and the truth of all that I had told him was made manifest to him. His affection for me redoubled after that, and he showed me exceeding honour, and bestowed on me a great present in return for mine. Then I sold my bales, and what other matters I owned, making a great profit on them, and bought me other goods and gears of the growth and fashion of the island city. When the merchants were about to start on their homeward voyage, I embarked on board the ship all that I possessed, and going in to the king, thanked him for all his favours and friendship, and craved his leave to return to my own land and friends. He farewelled me, and bestowed on me great store of the country stuff and produce, and I took leave of him and embarked. Then we set sail, and fared on nights and days, by the permission of Allah Almighty, and fortune served us, and fate favoured us, so that we arrived in safety at Basora city, where I landed rejoiced at my safe return to my natal soil. After a short stay, I set out for Baghdad, the house of peace, with store of goods and commodities of great price. Reaching the city in due time, I went straight to my own quarter, and entered my house where all my friends and kinsfolk came to greet me. Then I bought me eunuchs and concubines, servants and negro slaves, till I had a large establishment, and I bought me houses and lands and gardens, till I was richer and in better case than before, and returned to enjoy the society of my friends and familiars more assiduously than ever, forgetting all I had suffered of fatigue and hardship, and strangehood and every peril of travel, and I applied myself to all manner of joys and solaces and delights, eating the daintiest viands, and drinking the deliciousest wines, and my wealth allowed this state of things to endure. This, then, is the story of my first voyage, and to-morrow, inshallah, I will tell you the tale of the second of my seven voyages. Saith he who telleth the tale. Then Simbad the seaman made Simbad the landsman sup with him, and bade give him a hundred gold pieces, saying, Thou hast cheered us with thy company this day. The porter thanked him, and taking the gift went his way, pondering that which he had heard, and marvelling mightingly at what things betide mankind. He passed the night in his own place, and with early morning repaired to the abode of Simba the seaman, who received him with honour, and seated him by his side. As soon as the rest of the company was assembled, he set meat and drink before them, when they had well eaten and drunken, and were merry and in cheerful case, he took up his discourse and recounted to them in these words the narrative of the second voyage of Simba the seaman.